Welcome to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. For more information about our church, you can find us on the web at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also join us every Sunday morning at 10.30am at Mosley Pavilion. Now for the message. Did you enjoy last week? Hey! Did you feel a wee bit more kind of, there's, it was like there was a wee bit more space? Well, of course there was more space this morning, but did you, did you feel a little bit freer at all in worship? Was that just my experience? Yes. You tend to find that when there are, I mean, last week was a milestone. It really was a milestone. It was so good, so enjoyable. Um, but you tend to find that after there's been circumstances like that, whether you were being baptized or present or you're here and you're in this, that afterwards you've been stretched and therefore you've been stretched and you get to enjoy the benefit of the stretch. Not how it goes. So we all don't like the growth edge thing where we have to grow and learn. It's difficult. But what we love is the fact that once we've expanded, then there's more to deal with, which is lovely. Okay, so that was great. Thank you very much for everybody who played their part. It from, I mean, I don't know whether people are going to tell me whether they've had a difficult time and felt awkward. Probably not. But we'll take them at face value. The people that I talked to had a great time and really enjoyed it. And that's because you made them feel welcome. So thank you for everything that you did for your smiley faces. You cannot underestimate how much a smile will actually do for somebody. And I had some very funny conversations that I will not reiterate from the front, but were just brilliant as to people experiencing God here. Typically the phrase is, it just had goosebumps. Let them have their goosebumps. Don't explain it to them. There's no no need. Let God reveal himself in his own time. Um, But do please tell people that they're welcome. If this is your home here, then you have every right to say to them, you are welcome to be among us anytime. And don't underestimate that. Because I think that I've thought, okay, if I say to Russell, you know, you're welcome here anytime. Russell knows that. Well, that's an assumption. Maybe he doesn't. And maybe me saying to him, look, you're welcome here anytime actually is the reaching out and the inviting in. And one of the things that really hit me was there were so many people here because they'd been invited. Full stop. So I don't know whether we should have a baptismal pool at every Sunday morning and just invite people to a baptism and not worry about the semantics of it all. But... But, but they came because they were invited, and they came because they love you as well. So, was not the truth? Good. So, thank you for those of you who were baptized as well. That was such a privilege to do that. And next week, as Claire's already said, we have Dr. Dennis Bournes here. Um, he's the granddaddy of Destination Church Belfast. And to give you a little bit, I know we pop out the phrase translocal elder. It's a functional title. But one of the first things I did when I got home on Sunday past was I was on the phone to Dennis. And he was overjoyed with what had happened. He gets reports of everything that happens here. He has influence and impact on everything that happens here. So it's not just some random American that we kind of know a little bit that pops over every once in a while. He's part of our house, so please uh, come and hear him speak tomorrow and just enjoy him being around here. Okay, so we're good. Did you miss the podcast last week? Okay, moving swiftly on. There was one week we forgot to press the record. Anyway, moving swiftly on. So, Nehemiah. So, the guys, we were talking about Nehemiah, and one of the things that I haven't done is given you a little bit of a context as to what the story of Nehemiah is about for us, or what I believe it is about for us. Nehemiah is a story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself, and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. Let me read that again. Nehemiah is a story of how God leads a leader, 
how the leader leads himself and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. Nehemiah 2.13, the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. That phrase, the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates which had been destroyed by fire. They are both specific attacks. If you try to destroy a wall by fire that's made of stone, you're not going to do anything to the wall. If you break down a gate, you're not you probably wouldn't be able to break down a gate. So the enemy was very strategic. He broke down the walls and he destroyed the gates with fire. So ask the Holy Spirit for some revelation as to what's been broken down in your life and to what's been destroyed by fire in your life because he's in the business of rebuilding and restoring. Somebody said something about this was the year of rebuilding and restoration. Anybody remember that? Great, that went in. The year of dominion, to step up and put your, okay, and the other one, the sweetness of, Psalm 34, verse 8, not right? Taste and see that the Lord is good, blessed is the one who trusts in him. Keep them in the ether, okay? Keep them all around all the time, and when things happen in your life, it's a year of rebuilding and restoration. It's a year to step up and put your foot down. Why is this so difficult? There's your answer. Step up and put your foot down. The year of sweetness and completeness. If you feel shattered and you feel broken in aspects of your life, we'll be expectant. God wants to be very good to you and he can only be but very good to you. So it's the story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. Nehemiah's rise when there is need for rebuilding and restoration. Let me read Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, Hi. and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ to equip his people for works of service. Nehemiah is the story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself, and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. So basically, we've all got something to do. And the story of Nehemiah, this uh, message series on Nehemiah, hopefully will put a sword in your hand and a hammer or a tool of some description in the other. And you'll go, this is mine, and I've got my part to play. And not only, oh, I better do this, oh, got a case of the shoots. No, I really want to do this, because this is about me becoming who I'm called to be. So through Nehemiah, God empowered the people to rebuild and restore what was theirs to rebuild and restore. It's a story of hope and a story of what's actually possible. When we work together, one body, many parts, under God-appointed leadership, and we play our part in rebuilding and the restoration project God has assigned to us. It's a story of opportunities taken and potential reached in the middle of the mess of life. This is one of the things we've got to get a handle on is it doesn't start at some point then. We all do it, every one of us. If when I have that outfit, when I look that way, when I have that qualification, when I do this and I do that, and actually it starts right here and right now. The training is in the right here and the right now. And if you have had the thought, and let the Holy Spirit convict you if you have, of, oh, no, that's for later on. And it's not been a God revelation as in, that's for later on, son and you've been putting it off, just no, 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 maybe one day. People do that with 
approaching Jesus. That's for when you're older. It's for when you're older. That's for when you're older. Don't do that. You want to be able to say, God's going to work with me right here and right now, wherever I am. Whether you love your job, hate your job, love your university course, don't have one, don't know what's happening, whatever's going on in the middle of the mess of life, he is right there. And despite the hassle from the enemy, they believed God and rebuilt the wall in 52 days. Well done, Nehemiah. What a leader and what a bunch of people that he got to lead. 52 days. That, I mean, when you look at the walls were destroyed, I think, twice in history. And the second time they were destroyed, it took five years to rebuild them. 52 days. Do you want to recap? Thank you, Claire. So a seed of a thought is enough. Thoughts translate into words and actions, and words and actions translate into thoughts. Water turns to steam, steam condenses, turns back into water. Nehemiah took the pain that he suffered straight to God, and God's the only one that's able to translate our pain and turn it into provision, which means provision and for the vision. So if you're here and you're hurting, take it to God, and he will turn it into something that actually you'll be able to use to build up the walls and uh, restore the gates of your own life, and he'll use you to help others. You have what you need right here and right now. That's a little bit of what I was trying to say a few minutes ago. And your story starts right here and right now, not when you think it will. And then the last message before the baptisms last week was about uncomfortable comfort. That when you walk through your damaged emotions as you follow Jesus where you're scared to go, you'll get healed. We've all had it. I've said it so many times from the front. God invites you back into the place that you don't want to go or the circumstances where you were wounded are recreated nearly to a T. Am I on my own with that one? And we panic and go, no, not again. Not a- no, 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 not again. And actually, if we just went, okay, we would find that why we were brought to the place of our pain was because it sometimes is only in the place of our pain that we can find the healing from it. So when he brings you to a place that you don't want to go to, flip it around, act in the opposite spirit, and why not believe that actually this could be quite exciting and this could be your liberation rather than you stepping into more captivity. Joyce Meyer said, feel the fear and do it anyway. And Nehemiah says, I was overcome with fear, but... So this whole journey of I don't want to do this and yet you find yourself in the circumstance and you get on with it. That's where the liberty and the freedom is. It's about changing your mind. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's only then that you can approve and appreciate and see what God's will actually is. So you want to know what he has for you? Renew your mind. And then Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And do not be wise in your own eyes. Your soul will refuse to do the thing that brings you comfort. It's true, isn't it? For me, I don't like sitting down and resting an awful lot. I like being busy. And Claire will often say to me, leave that. Stop that. What are you doing that for? And I'm like, no, I want to do it. I want to do it. And in actual fact, if I just yielded to the voice of my wife, which is often the voice of God. Well, that's good to know. Thank you, little pad, for telling me that. If I just yielded myself in that moment, I would find the very thing that I need. So don't let your soul be an obstacle to dam up the flow of the Spirit in your life. So if there's things you're like, I don't want to do this, I don't like doing this, I'd rather do something else, why don't we do a little experiment, okay? 
And when it comes to that place and somebody's asking you to do something that you don't want to do that's not unwholesome, they're not asking you to sin, I dare you to say yes and see what happens. When somebody asks you to do something that you don't want to do, right? So for the introverts here present, I don't like being around people. I don't want to be around people. I barely tolerate my spouse. If that's you and God asks you to lead something or be involved in something that is about bringing about community together and you're like, you got the wrong guy. You sound an awful lot like Moses. His power is most obvious whenever our weakness is present. His Lord is looking at me like, so why did I ask you to tell me that again? When's it most obvious? Whenever someone's extroverted and it rolls out of their personality like a river or someone who's more introverted, it's difficult and it's a cost. And what do you know? The presence of God comes through the individual and community's built. Realizing that seeking the immediate satisfaction of the soul does not solve the problem, it ultimately only increases it. And often Jesus is where it has been impossible for us previously to go. We're dealing with a guy that does not abide by often the laws of physics or time, the structures of personality, pasts, presents, or futures. He does what he wants to do because he knows better. And we need to settle that. If you're still in the no, 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 God, you need to die. Do you want me to sing you a song while you do that? The sooner you square up to that, that you're going to have to die and get with his program, the quicker and the easier it'll be and the more benefit and blessing it'll be to everybody else. For nothing is impossible with God, Luke 1, 37. And to bring God's comfort, we've got to get uncomfortable. Okay, that's your recap. Today I want to talk about the space between seasons of preparation. And I want to remind you of the time scale. So in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. If you don't have a Bible with you or you have an app, just open up chapter 1 with you. And let me encourage you that um, throughout the week, if you're wondering what you should be reading, just day by day work through the chapters. A number of, a couple of years ago, I just had the thought while I was driving, what should I be doing in my devotional time? And the Spirit said, eat what you're serving. So if this is your house, or you think this is a great idea and it's not your house, eat what we're serving. So if we're talking about the space between seasons of preparation, dig into that in your devotional life. And in the meantime, be reading through the the chapters of Nehemiah as well. So Nehemiah 1 verse 1, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa. Cheslev is the ninth month. It means fulfillment and it means completion of judgment. And then Nehemiah 2 verse 1, in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. And the month of Nisan is the month of beginnings. So that's roughly a period of four months. I say roughly because in a leap year, the Hebrew calendar has a whole other month. Who knew? And it says sometimes 29 days, sometimes 30 days. So go with me when I say round about four months. And four months is? It's a season. It's a season. So don't miss this. It's a season. God speaks through Hanani who comes and some of his other brothers, gives him this information and immediately he's devastated. And for four months... He's in that process, in a process for four months, and it's a process of preparation, and it's a season. The Bible doesn't waste words. 
the information included in it is of the utmost importance. So you've got days, months, years, names, colors, time of days, situations, and details in them. I remember uh, again a number of years ago, Claire and I were chatting about something, and she said to me, did you know that in the Bible when it talks about nighttime, it normally talks about a place where the influence of the enemy is really the um, most influential part. So when it says, I arose at night, or Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane at nighttime, it was in the place where the enemy really had the rule, okay? So those little things will change all how you read these verses. So the Bible doesn't waste anything. John 5, 39, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you've eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So he's present in the detail. And we do well to notice the details in our own lives. Who's the person beside you in work? What's their name? What are they like? What's their personality? What are they teaching you? My boss at the minute is all about detail. You'd be thankful that I have a boss at the minute that's all about detail. Because in my personality, I could fling details out the window. So here I am with this guy who's called Christopher, which means carrier of Christ or Christ in me. Now, he doesn't know Jesus, but yet he's imparting to me what it means to be about detail and planning. Now, well, he doesn't know Jesus. God can get to any time, anywhere, at any time. It's like the matrix, okay? So you've got to take off your secular and spiritual eyeballs and go, it's all his. I walked into a shop once and this lady said, oh, you walked in here with such purpose. That was a terrible clap. Other times you, people do a throwaway comment and you just think, what was that? They don't even know me. Right, so step out of your soul and step into your spirit. What was that? What's going on there? What's he communicating to you through those circumstances? And equally the same in the Bible. If you get these eyes for the Bible that God's up to something in the details, you'll recognize that he's up to the details in your own life. God's sovereignty is often revealed in the seemingly unimportant detail of your life. Can I just say to you, if you're in the sun and you're uncomfortable, feel free to stand up and find somewhere where you're not going to be so frazzled, okay? Typically, we don't value uh, seasons of preparation or seasons of hiddenness when it seems that nothing externally changes. Gardening analogy alert. Seeds, what do we do with them? In? At what time of the year? Spring or in season whenever the season is. I put a pear tree in the ground in January time because that's when you plant pear trees. Grapevine in the ground in October because that's when you plant them. So you put the seed in the ground and tell me, does it happen instantaneously? With cress. It happens instantaneously with cress. Cress comes and goes. You want to plant anything of worth, it's time in the soil is largely longer and longer and longer and longer. And sometimes you have to have a wee hook around to see if it's actually germinating or the thing's just not going to come to life at all. So you take a seed, you plant it in the ground, you wait for it to germinate, for the seedlings to poke their growth through the soil. And did you know that germination only occurs from eight degrees? <laughs> if you could only see your faces... Eight being the number of beginnings in resurrection. Ooh, that's interesting. Hidden within the natural world, God has all of these secrets that if we dug into them, we'd find them. Just because we don't see something happening doesn't mean that it's not happening. As I wrote that this morning, 
that is specifically for someone who is here, right here and right now. Just because the thing that you're sowing into is not bearing its fruit right now, if you hold on, you will see the fruit of what you've been praying for. And specifically, I think that's uh, for someone who's been praying for a circumstance or for a situation, and particularly about people that are coming to faith. Just because you don't see anything happening does not mean that something is not happening. I've also found that those who are the seemingly most together when you talk with them are normally the people who are the most broken. The people who are the most, they don't care, mate, are often the ones who really, really, really do. So just because you don't see something happening doesn't mean that it's not happening. And equally, the people that are the most vulnerable, please do not assume that they are the weakest. Look at a nectarine. Give me being a nectarine any day rather than a coconut. Coconut's mush inside and just full of water. A nectarine is strong to the core. Let's become people who are strong to the core. Let's be uh, open and let people see our flesh and like, not that way. In terms of this is what I struggle with. This is what I, this is, ah, that's difficult for me or that's hard. But let us be strong to the core. Let our values be strong to who he is and what he's about. You share with people, I struggle to get myself up. I don't want to pray. I don't want to spend time with God and follow it up with, but I get over myself because he's worth it. You do that and you'll make it accessible for other people to go on this journey with Jesus Christ. Just because we do not see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. And we've been taught in the world to have value over the physical rather than the spiritual. And we've got to have our minds renewed to that. So seasons of preparation and hiddenness determine the quality of our performance when the time comes. So I'm going to say a name to you and you tell me what you think of. Martin Luther King. <laughs> he absolutely was. Anyone else? Visionary. Anyone else? This is not going well. <laughs> Anyone? Anyone? Brave. Orator. Rights, human rights. Martin Luther King's speech. I have a dream. Do you know the story about how that came about? Have you heard this before? So I was listening this morning to Clarence B. Jones. He was his scriptwriter, and uh, he had put together some of the thoughts about what he was going to speak that day. And as he was speaking, I think Clarence said that he got to, I think it was the second part of the speech, and Martin Luther King's uh, favorite gospel singer who was up on the podium with him shouts, tell him about the dream, Martin. And he looks at her and he slides, basically does this. And he says, I have a dream. And off he goes. It was one of the most profound speeches that I think have ever been uttered. And if you listen to it, it is electric with life as much now as it was then. Clarence B. Jones, who's standing beside him, turns to the person beside him and says, these people out there, they don't know it, but they're about to go to church. In front of 250,000 people. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, Martin Luther King, yes, he was rising in visibility and he was leading this entire moment, but that speech, that manifesto was the pinnacle of his life. And everything in his life up to that point, that was preparation to that point. 
we miss the details of the training that God has assigned us because we're so used to structures, programs, uh, linear activity that goes from one, two, and three, when actually God will take you from A to B by going through the roundabout or the, the alphabet twice and then back to B. And if your soul gets a hold of that, you'll go, why didn't he do it the other way? Because he wanted you to become someone in the process. It's about training, it's about preparation. God has a specific schedule of training and preparation for each of us. Classrooms with unfamiliar walls, unexpected teachers, and tests without papers revealing results, without grades. And I am sure that most people here have had situations in your life, and after it's happened, you've realized that it was a test. Yes? And sometimes, if we're honest, it's because we failed it. And we don't learn the lesson. Now, does God love you? Really? Okay. Does he change in his love? Is he ever going to kick you out of the kingdom? You're his son. You're his daughter, okay? You're safe and secure. Hopefully you're discovering that more and more. So you don't feel any of his tests. You just get to go around the mountain again and reset them. You got to get that because there are things that are happening in your life where it's just... Uh, circular and cyclical and it's just going round and round and round and you've got to ask yourself the question what am I missing and if you're listening the Holy Spirit will answer you life is always learning and sometimes you just have to realize that you're being taught another story so uh, I was meeting with Andrew and with Mark our very own Mark Gordon where are you at the front and Mark as he does sometimes uh, gives out gifts and uh, he'll just casually just say to you, oh, I've got a wee gift for you. And I've learned to uh, be quite interested when he does that. First time he did it, he gave me a fountain pen. And he said, the pen of a ready writer. And I love, love doing what I do here. I love putting the devotionals together. I just enjoy all of that, trying to wordsmith words together. Uh, so he was right. And we were sitting down together and we we're having a meal. And he said, I have a gift for you. And he pulls out this uh, pruning knife. And I said, I... I think I said, I actually have a couple of those. And he lifts it out. And I said, oh, but this one's got two blades. And he said to me, the Lord wants to add, in fact, I've got it written down. He said, the knife symbolizes the gift that God has placed in you to be able to prune people for them to flourish and grow into what God desires them to be. As you prune people with your words, both removing foregrowth and engrafting for spiritual and abundant life. And I said, thank you very much. And I flicked open the blade. Now, the blade that I flicked open was one of the blades that I've never had before. And it's a specific tool for really engrafting. And as I did that, the little sucker sliced me. And it sliced me right on the tip of my finger. And you know when your finger starts to have a pulse? And it was bleeding everywhere. It was a total accident. It was not a total accident. If you can grab what I'm saying here, you will see the richness that God has placed in your life. It was an absolute accident. It was not an accident. My soul gripes and moans at the lessons. How about yours? My spirit hears it loud and clear. And what I heard in that moment was, you want to wield this son, you need to know that it's going to hurt people. And sometimes the smallest cuts are the most painful things. It's like a paper cut on your little finger. You can do life. It's like having a cold. It's just not pleasant. The little cuts can be often the most significant. You want to wield this blade, you need to understand the damage that it can do. And also that even if it's not doing damage and it's about pruning, it's going to hurt. And you need to understand that. 
It was just an accident and they sliced it open. No, it wasn't. So what about you? What about the random things that happen to you, the difficulties that you have, the people that say things, we sweep them all away and we just go, that was an accident that shouldn't have been and shouldn't have happened. What if actually part of the prophetic word that Mark was giving me was the fact that I sliced my finger? I don't recommend that you try and force that onto somebody. But it was part of the prophetic word. He was part of the prophetic word. The man that gave it to me was part of the prophetic word. The voice that delivers it was part of the prophetic word. I was talking with Nathan and Russell before about the Martin Luther King. Can you imagine if he stood up and he said, I have a dream. And in that dream, the people of Alabama will no longer be separated by waiting block. And we go, well, that's very funny. It's a Northern Irish accent. But God specifically designed the vocal cords through which the sound was made that passed out to 250,000 million billion people. How many have heard it? And we think that it's all undetermined and it's all just, well, it happened that way. You have no idea how specific your God actually is. A big lesson and a little cut. Give me that any day. I don't want to have to learn a little lesson from a big cut. Life is always learning. You just have to realize you're being taught. So Nehemiah, seasons of preparation. Job opportunities, job applications, interview prep, interview job training. Okay? Follow me within the the process. Proposal, acceptance, wedding organization, marriage prep. We're taught at school, college, university, time of revision, exams. Seeds sown, germination, growth. Ingredients of a cake mixed together, placed in an oven, bakes and cools, is eaten. Conception, pregnancy, birth, growth, parenting. Process, process, process. It's all about process. And we Go, we like that bit of the process. We like it when we've arrived and we can play the instrument. We don't like the practice that we have to do, the hiddenness. The Spirit said to me probably about 15 years ago, wait now as a good wine does, slowly maturing in hiddenness. We've all got to do our time in the cellar. We've all got to do our time on the potter's wheel. We've all got to do our time underneath the soil. And the time that we do there is more important than the time that we do at the front. Nehemiah 1, 4 to 5. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah remained in the revelation. So what's God's been speaking to you? Today, he's told me that I need to work on this and I need to get up earlier or I need to exercise more or I need to watch my tongue, but I'm not really feeling it by Wednesday. So God, what is it that you're saying to me? Lord, I just, I can't hear you, Lord. What is it you're saying? And Spirit's going, because I've already told you two days ago. Nehemiah remained in the revelation. So what is it that he's spoken to you recently? And have you just forgotten? So because it's out of your memory now, it's somehow not on the table anymore. So part of this is learning to handle the revelation that we've been given. If you uh, had planted something in the soil and because you arrived at it on Wednesday and you had incredible, incredibly poor short-term memory, you then plant something else in there and you're like, oh, there's seeds in there already. What we need to do is remember what the Lord has planted within us. If there's one thing that you take away from this morning, you've got to remember and remain in the revelation that God's given you. Jerusalem's walls... Were, were broken down and its gates had been burnt by fire and Nehemiah was devastated by it. 
He mourned for what should be mourned for. If God comes to you and says, you've been far too sharp with those you love, it's reason to mourn. If he comes and says to you, you've chosen poorly, and because you've chosen poorly, you've missed out on some stuff, that's reason to mourn. If he reveals to you that somebody is broken and that they have uh, got arrows in them because of what's happened to them in their life, it's reason to mourn. And he fasted from food and he went after God. He suspended something normal and natural so that he could focus his attention on God. What if you removed your yogurt from your lunchtime? And when you removed your yogurt, you said, ah, how are you doing, God? Can I talk to you about that? Or a biscuit or a packet of crisps or whatever it is, just something. Remember, a seed's enough. If you can get it with a yogurt, you'll get it with three or four days. And Jesus did not say, guys, just want to put it on the table there if you'd like to fast anytime. It's up to you. He said, when you fast. So why don't we do an Nehemiah? Set aside your yogurt. Or skip your lunch. Or skip your dinner. Or don't have breakfast. Or do something not from the point of view of, look at me, I'm super spiritual. I have fasted from food for Jesus. Because you can fast from food for Jesus and it not be about Jesus at all. The purpose is that you redirect that time and that energy towards him. And you'll discover that every word that proceeds from his mouth is full of nourishment. He developed his relationship with God. In the preparation time, it's about finding out who he is and who you are. I am the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. It was intense and it was intentional. And I've been reading John White's book on the excellence in leadership, which is about Nehemiah. And he said this, Nehemiah has an organized mind, but if I'm right about his time of prayer, then the organization took place in the presence of God. We're not privileged to hear the dialogue between them, but it will do no harm to speculate. So it's in the time of preparation that we get to ask our questions. Okay, God, so you've called me to do this. Well, what does that look like? Well, what about our finances? Or what about this? Or how do I do that? Well, that's the time that you want to figure out those things with them. Because planning is a key part of preparation. Planning is the key to successful execution of any task. And preparation and training is an investment. And we exercise faith when we yield ourselves to the process of the process. Hebrews eleven six, And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards anyone who earnestly seeks him. Can I get you guys to come up? So will you yield yourself to the process of preparation? Because Nehemiah went to God in the space between, he knew who God was and courageously in the presence of fear, walked with God into his destiny. Can I get you to stand with me? We exercise faith when we yield ourselves to the process of the process. So maybe God's put something quite large inside your mind. Maybe it's influence to thousands or millions or maybe it's building this or doing that or generating finances or whatever it is. When we yield ourselves to the process of the process, we exercise faith, and that absolutely pleases your Father. 
So as always, I've got some questions to help you to respond. Do you need to embrace that you're in a season of preparation? Are you here today and you haven't really thought about that? You're in a job that you don't really want to do. You wonder where it's going. Well, I would put to you that you're likely in a season of preparation. Do you need yourself um, to become intense and intentional about the preparation process? Is that something that you're realizing that you've got to get more focused about this? You're going to have to do something, whether it's putting aside your yogurt or uh, putting aside a lunchtime or fasting for a day or whatever it is that you need to do. And finally, do you feel like you're lacking direction and you want to find your way? If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you just want ministry, please come and join me now at the front. Let's just wait for a second. Come Holy Spirit. that you stand in, to the clothes that you wear, to the people to the left and your right, to your yesterdays and to your tomorrows. He is over every single aspect of your life. This is your God. Deliberate, intentional, specific, and all about love. So Holy Spirit, we want to worship you this morning. We want to access you and connect to you this morning. We know that you want the same more than we do. So come and increase your presence here. This is your space and these are your people. Come Holy Spirit. You've been listening to Destination Church Belfast's weekly podcast. For more information on our church, you can find us on the web on www.destination.com destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk Thank you for listening.